Does anybody else want to hear meditate? I don't do it nearly as often as I would benefit from. Did you see how I switched out the word should? Wow, leaps and strides. But I did meditate today. And yes, I did a guided one through the Calm app, which is like a 10-minute meditation. And... Halfway through the first try of me getting through the 10 minutes, I did stop it because I was getting alerts on my phone of somebody messaging me about something I'm trying to sell. And then I stopped and went and dealt with that and got out of the house. And uh, then I came back and I restarted it from the beginning. And I realized something about judgment Maybe if I say it out loud, it'll dissolve. But I was even judging myself that I don't pay for like the premier package for this meditation app and that I'm using just the free options on it. And even that I'm like judging myself for just like the level of need for me to just be okay with the actions I'm taking. Just like stop judging everything. Did anybody, let's just go to Hollywood. Let's go to Hollywood right now. Did anybody watch the Amazon release of Coming to America, the sequel? And of you guys that watched it, how many of you finished it in one sitting? Because... (laughs) I didn't finish it at all. I need to go back and finish it because I probably shouldn't talk about any movie that I didn't finish. But I did I did watch like 80% of it. And I enjoyed a lot of elements of it. I love that these I love that Eddie Murphy and his team distributed the wealth among black American artists who were such a huge influence in the 80s and 90s. I love that all of these actors and artists are still alive because, oh, come on, James Earl Jones is a million years old. Um, and unfortunately, the death rate for black men in America is a young age. It really sucks. So it's awesome that these people are kicking and that they are still here when we can give them this awesome movie that is just created to be like, look at all these legends. And they, like, it's not, then they don't have to just be featured in a CGI memorial, that they're actually still here and they can participate in this cool-ass recognition of how, what an influence they were on all of us. Like Wesley Snipes and Arsenio Hall and, Eddie Murphy, of course, and um, I loved seeing all of the artists that came on, like Salt and Peppa, all of the cool hip-hop and soul influences that made an appearance on it. 
Now, storyline-wise, I have a bone to pick. Leslie Jones is really a cool person and a great stand-up comic. I think it's cool she was in this movie. However, her character had some issues with. I don't know who else was watching it and felt this way. I haven't Googled it to see if everybody has mentioned this or if anyone else is, there's a Reddit thread about it. But spoiler, if you don't want to know the plot of the movie, this is going to be a spoiler. So she is Eddie Murphy's catalyst for coming back to America is because he finds out that he had a son before he married his American wife. And the audience goes, huh? We don't remember him having sex with anyone in the first movie before he meets his wife. And so the writers, I don't know how, if I didn't look it up yet to see how involved Eddie Murphy was in the writing or if it was entirely him or if he had a team and he, or did he have ghostwriters or did he just sign off on it? But the way they explained it away, because they felt they had this need that his uh, fatherless child in America was going to be a son because I think that they wanted to have the storyline that would eventually be, well, he has daughters though that are younger. Why can't the daughters take over his dynasty? Why does it have to be a man? Admirable that they want that to be the storyline, but the way that they explained away, how could he possibly have a son that he didn't know about was pretty disturbing, which was that... Leslie Jones' character found Eddie Murphy before he met his wife. And they all met at a club. And he was so inebriated and, I think, drugged. And he was so drugged that he couldn't give consent. And she basically date-raped him. And I thought that it was a little blasé the way that they addressed it and then later made fun of how inebriated he was because he describes like that he was so out of it that he thought a wild animal broke into the room and he was getting raped by a wild animal and that was supposed to be a joke the way he told it. And I was like, oh, no, man, especially in certain communities, there's still this real big problem with toxic masculinity and saying that men can't be raped by any woman because men should just always want it. And I was so sad to see that that was perpetuating it and laughing at a man being taken advantage of and being raped. I was so sad that they were making jokes about it because that's not that doesn't serve the community that men should just be machines that are glad they got screwed no matter if they could consent or not that is not going to make more sensitive culture you tell them that they're machines then they're going to have to find a way to explain away their feelings when they've been abused and then guess what they people do that when they do it to themselves they apply that same logic to other people it's not made me really sad um i wonder how leslie jones felt being asked to play a rapist and i can imagine that it's like you get a phone call and it's like 
oh my god, this is amazing. The next Eddie Murphy movie, you're gonna you're asked to be in a, a major role in it, and you're like, hell yeah. And then you read the script and you're like, oh god, what do I do? Or maybe I don't know what's funny anymore. Do I say something? I don't know. Um, yeah, I just I stopped to Google it just now, and no, Eddie Murphy did not write this movie. Uh, two white guys and a black dude. No women wrote this. And another problematic part of this is I do not like that they're portraying uh, women and black women as being like, well, if they, the, the queen doesn't want sex, so she's noble. And if a black woman wants sex, she's a rapist. Like there are so many like micro choices they made in these characters that it's like, what the hell? I mean, they constantly had her telling little jokes that she was a pervert. Like, every time she opened her mouth, she was being, like, a nasty. Not, like, gross and hitting on everybody, but it was escalated to the point that she had no boundaries. And I was like, oh, come on. Couldn't they have just... Couldn't they have had him um, be so uneducated in reproductive biology, the, the prince? that he had consensual sex and he didn't realize that the, that if you finish that way that that he didn't realize that you could get pregnant that way couldn't it have been consensual and he just didn't know the biology why did he have to get ramped to preserve the characters um from the writing standpoint to preserve the characters um innocent like oh everything happens to me kind of persona i don't think it was a trade off that was worth it do you I would really love to hear if I'm overthinking this, but I don't know if it was triggering for anyone else to see that actually play out the scene where he couldn't give consent and it was like funny. Um, it's just a shame because it was a great movie, very, very, very entertaining otherwise. And I was like, come on, this is a big choice to make. It should have been, you could have several meetings about it and it would have been worthwhile and then it would have been a perfect film. Anyway, um, of course, this is just one white woman's opinion, and I'm going to put a disclaimer on here that the 80, 1980s Brat Pack movies, Pretty in Pink and all of that, like, even as a little kid, I had a problem with the tone of, like, haha, people, uh, people are objects, and everyone's just trying to get sex no matter the cost, and... Um, I just was hoping that, I mean, this movie was awesome and I just felt like they could have done without that choice. So to take a fair shake at different genres of movies, another one I've watched recently is The Happiest Season. And a lot of people are comparing it to The Family Stone. So let's get into it. Uh, two extremely waspy white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, very white, feel-good movies about the holidays. Um, so Happiest Season streaming, I think, on Netflix. Family Stone is currently on Hulu. Um, one pint point, one pint, pint of ice cream. I purchased Family Stone like 15 years ago out of the dollar DVD bin at Walmart 
when I was a broke college kid. And so I watched it several times just to have it in the background when I was studying or something. If you haven't seen either of these movies, they're both about going home to visit your family on the holidays and bringing a significant other and what it does to your relationship when you're trying to introduce them, your family, to your loved one. And um, so the similarities in these movies, uh, there's not really any notable people of color in them. Family Stone has a double whammy uh, diversity casting of one of the sons is uh, gay and his partner is a black man and uh, he is also the son is also uh, disabled uh, hearing wise he is deaf and in that movie the uh, there's a scene where Sarah Jessica Parker's character is talking to the family and she uh, misspeaks about how difficult it must be to be to uh, be a gay child and how difficult it is to try to figure out the right way to help the gay child as a parent. And it makes it sound like uh, she's trying to put words in the parent's mouth that they wish that he'd never been gay. <laughs> and they, they end up calling her a bigot, basically. And it's a similar... There's an, uh, the same vein through the, the newer movie, which is The Happiest Season, which is the, the main couple in the movie are, is the gay couple. One of them is Kristen Stewart. And they go home to visit, and this, the main character tells Kristen Stewart to act like she's straight and that they're just friends. And it's really sad <laughs> because... The first thing I thought of was not only is it a Christmas time movie about going home and bringing your significant other, but it's like they took these couples from the original from not the original movie. It's not a it's not a reboot, but there's just so many similarities. In Family Stone, there's four or five siblings that are all adult children of Diane Keaton, and of them they are kind of all coupled off by the end of the movie. And the least favorite, like the most unlikable couple is Dullmutt McRowney. <laughs> I don't know. I assume that's what his college friends call him. And Claire Danes uh, end up coupling by the end of the movie. And you just like, they're so unlikable because uh, Mulroney started the movie as a couple with Sarah Jessica Parker, Claire Danes sister and basically he turns out to be this really skis bag cheater type that's like hitting on the sister and wants her so badly he's chasing after a bus by the end of the movie and we're supposed to just glaze over it because um like it's almost like those Doris Day movies in the back in the day where you're just like well the audience knows they're just not a good fit so we're okay with the situation we know they'll be better off with the people they end up with but it's like it's really inappropriate and cheaty. So it's like of all of the coupled off characters in Family Stone, that was the least like likable one. And then they took that couple as if they took that couple and said, well, we're going to make them the main characters in the happiest season and make it uncomfortable to watch and sad. And you're just like, by the end of it, you want Kristen Stewart to not 
put up with it anymore and to find someone who will appreciate her. And mm, that's not how it ends. So, um, I, on one hand, you could say from a storytelling perspective that it's not a bad movie just because it's, uh, the vibe of the movie feels like a Hallmark movie-ish. Not just because it's set during Christmas time, but also it's kind of feel-goody. It's good writing, though. It's better writing than in Hallmark. But, um... You just think it's going to have a happy ending, but at the end, I guess it's more realistic to real life. I mean, people put up with the people that they want, and it's just like, Chris, as simple as this, Chris, as you just wanted her partner, even though she sucked. <laughs> she was, she's struggling with her own demons. Anyway, uh, I'm interested if anybody else was triggered by it, because you like look at yourself watching it. And think you're projecting all these feelings you had about your exes and watching your former self put up with shit you shouldn't be putting up with. Do you watch it? Do you watch characters in movies and think, get the hell away from them? (laughs) Are you cheering for an unrealistic happy ending? I am, usually. I want people to evolve by the end of the movie. I want them to not put up with this shit anymore. And even if they end up alone at the end of the movie, at least they didn't get bulldozed over and used. Anyway, um, that's my take. There's a lot of good people in both movies. Moving on to other thoughts. Raya and the Last Dragon. I haven't watched it yet. I want to. Uh, It brings me to some ideas I've been thinking for a long time about Disney princesses, uh, which is that uh, when it comes to diversity and people of color, uh, Jasmine was awesome, uh, which is Iranian or Iraqi, I think. Uh, Although if you were an Asian-American or Southeast Asian American growing up in America, I've heard that everyone would call you Aladdin or Jasmine if you're from India. It's just very, it's pretty different geographically and culturally. And um, and then Pocahontas was, while a great movie, just historically just an absolute nightmare in for terms of accuracy and in terms of the message it was sending little girls. Because I remember finding out that John Smith was in his late 40s and that Pocahontas was 13 and being like I'm sorry what (laughs) uh so choose the white foreigner over your family because you're so ethical and he's like old as hell it's not even cute probably I mean from the Wikipedia pictures but at least it was a good movie. Representation matters, even if it's a bullshit story. It's completely fake, fabricated from the history. It's cool for little girls to see somebody that looks like them. And then we had Mulan. The animated version was cool. Everybody loved Mulan. Then when we got to the Black Princess, my problem with Tiana is that she didn't get to start 
as a princess. She wasn't cursed or anything like that. And she also kind of didn't really, really, really end up as a princess. It, and I was like, what is this message we're sending little African-American girls in America that, like, you need to set your bars really low? Like, why did white kids, why did white girls get to have this insanely <laughs> unhealthy level of expectation of wanting an unrealistic goal of finding Prince Charming and becoming a princess. We got to have this unrealistic goal and live in a fantasy land as a child. But when it came time for the black princess, they were like, mm, I, I think we need to make it a little more realistic for them. So all of the songs are going to not be about like, you know, following a magical feeling. It's going to be about uh, do your budget and bookkeeping and open a restaurant like it was too real world. There wasn't enough like glamour and glitter and sparkles and fantasy land for me. And I was like, why all of a sudden are <laughs> now you need to, now you're setting realistic expectations for little girls. I thought that that kind of cheated black girls because they deserved they deserved some bullshit fluff crap just as much as the crap we got fed. They deserved that and they didn't get it. Uh, and then we got uh the live action Mulan, which did not get received well. I didn't watch it because I was like, why isn't it a musical? What is the point? Raya, I'm excited to see. Um, it looks pretty good. Um, I wanted to recommend a few movies that I've watched lately. Do you like August Wilson plays? Because I do. And I read the entire anthology when I was in school and studying acting, and I love August Wilson. And the film adaptation of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, oh boy, I just cried and cried and cried. Chadwick Boseman is devastating in it, and Viola Davis kicks ass oh boy she put on some weight to bring some truth to the character she's playing ma rainey is a bit is it was a real person was a badass uh soul singer and uh, the themes and message of the story is so thought-provoking and it would be triggering for a lot of people, I imagine, which I don't know if it would be cathartic or just painful, but I think that anyone who's not black should watch it because it's a good lesson. Oh boy, you're going to get a lesson. The double-edged sword and how we treat black people, have treated black people in America, expecting them, the expectations you set for them to be Take whatever you give them and just shut up and take it. And what that does to a human being to be treated like that. What what does that do to a human being to be treated like that? Um, that's I'm not going to give away too much in it, but that's what uh, the story explores. Because several of the male the male characters, several of the male characters who are kind of in a powwow 
discussing their life views are kind of all the different directions you you can after you've been conditioned as a black person in America and you've been treated a certain way, these are all the different possible outcomes of how you might, your coping mechanisms, basically. And then the same thing, Ma Rainey, and there's another character in it, I won't give away what her relationship is, that's another female character. There's two black female characters in this story that's another exploration of what do you do when you've been conditioned to when you've been treated this way, like what are the possible outcomes of your coping mechanisms and what kind of uh, behaviors do you take on? Uh, how do you protect yourself and how do you move forward? Oh boy, it is a deep, deep story. So check out Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's on Netflix. I'm recommending a lot of films and series on here that are representing people of color. I'm also critiquing everything that I talk about because that's just my nature. I say like what my take is on it and everything. But the the reason I am discussing people of color being represented in film is because those are stories I love seeing and I'm glad they're being made. And guess what? I've want to be educated I want to be a better person and I think that everybody should be having that life goal not just because it's in vogue right now um this is a lot of I don't know I thought I think it's more common with certain types of theater actors but I don't know film and television maybe less so but and a lot of the actors I grew up and studied with that was the root of why they got into it is because they wanted to learn what it was like to be another person and to go into that like truly being open to hearing what someone's experience is like makes how can that be a bad thing you're scared of having to carry around the weight of what they've gone through as well you can't live like that what does that make you you just can only watch stories about people that you relate to. Trust me, you can handle it. You can handle the diversity of other people's experiences. I promise you it makes you a better person. Um, I have a lot to learn. We all do. So get out there. Start watching. Next week, I'm going to have a guest. And... Keep your eyes on the feed on Instagram because I'm going to have a way for you to ask this person questions for them to answer. It's going to be cool. Um, thanks for listening. If you're hearing this right now, I appreciate you. You've made my freaking day. Uh, feel free to message me and let me know what you think of the show. If you have any ideas about like you know I would like to hear more of this you did some of this I want to hear more of it uh, I'd love to hear from you and especially if you have any questions for upcoming guests that's going to be a new feature of different segments is getting to ask them questions uh, you guys stay safe out there uh, get the vaccine as soon as you can and keep saying it's been said a million times we're all in this together and it's clear 
that some people are not in it with you. <laughs> but just know that this podcast is a place where I am rooting for everyone to be healthy and happy because it makes our world a better place. So that's what I'm going to keep pushing for. Let's talk about the good stuff and work on the stuff that we can. Blessings upon blessings. Take care and see you next week. Go, open, go, go.